Hey, how would you like a tip for understanding the whole Bible? I mean it. Stay with me. We're going to get to that in just a moment. I'm Kerry. I'm a growing follower of Jesus. And this is the Growing in the Gospel channel. And I'm so glad you're taking the journey with me. So we have migrated uh, the Enough for Today devotion to this place. And we are going to grow and expand. And already I'm enjoying the journey with you. So don't forget to subscribe, to share, uh, to click the like button, like button, maybe set up your notifications. But I am so going to enjoy the time we get to grow together in God's Word. Today, we're in Psalm 81. I know I've promised you a tip to understanding the whole Bible. It's coming. So this is a call to worship. And I want you to grab an app or open your Bible to Psalm 81 if you can and track along with me. We're going to pick it up in a minute in verse 8. But I want to uh, quickly read verses 1 to seven, just to get the context again. And I want you to remember there's three parts to this psalm, which really comprise three parts to the word worship. When we decide that we're going to worship or express love uh, back to God for his love for us, what is it? Well, first it begins with, I like the word celebration, but Warren Wiersbe says verses one to five are about praising God's name. So sing aloud unto God our strength. Make a joyful noise unto the God of Jacob. Take a psalm. Bring hither the timbrel and the pleasant harp with the psaltery. Blow up the trumpet in the new moon and the time appointed on our solemn feast day. For this was a statute for Israel and a law of the God of Jacob. We unpack those four verses, but it's, it's, it's a call to worship. It's God saying, come into my presence with celebration, with solemnity and celebration. Come into my presence. Let's feast. Let's sing. Let's shout and make a joyful noise. Let's be joyful in God's presence because he's our strength. So worship is a celebration of God. But in what in particular? Well, look at verse 5. This he ordained in Joseph, that's Israel, the nation, the people, for a testimony when he went out through the land of Egypt, where I heard a language that I understood not, I, God now is speaking in verse 6, I removed his shoulder from the burden, his hands were delivered from the pots, thou callest in trouble, and I delivered thee, I answered thee in the secret place of thunder, I proved thee at the waters of Meribah, Selah. Selah means pause, think about it, there's a key change, there's something happening in the music, and so there's this rest, resting place to think about what's been said. Here's what I want you to catch. When, when we go to worship God, when we go to express love to God, the very first place it starts, number one, is with celebration and joy, okay? So God is a joy giver, not a joy taker. The, the, the very next thing we see in terms of the messaging is God telling us what he has done. And we're coming to that tip about understanding the whole Bible. So what did God do? He delivered Israel from Egypt. He delivered the slaves into freedom. He, he's a liberator. He is a redeemer, a rescuer. He came into the situation and brought them out. Uh, he, they called to him and he delivered them. Isn't that what salvation is? It's not me going to church or giving money or being confirmed or being baptized or doing good works. That, none of that saves me. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So being saved is about admitting that I can't be saved any other way except 
on the basis of what Jesus has done for me. So what God is doing in this psalm is he's rehearsing with Israel through their worship what he's done for them, okay? I answered thee in the secret place of thunder. I proved thee at the waters of Mirabah. So look at what I've done for you and celebrate what I've done. Live out of what I've done. Let all of your response and your living and your giving and your going and your doing, let it all flow out of what's already been done. So we're catching up. We're getting to this place where where this tip is going to show up. Now look at verse 8. Here, O my people. So now that they've been redeemed, saved, now that they've been reconciled, brought back to God as his people, God says, now here, let me speak to you. Let me, he says, I will testify unto thee, O Israel, if thou wilt hearken unto me. Pause. So the God who redeems, who saves, who does all the work necessary to bring us into life and hope, then says, now I'm interested in, in a relationship. I want you to hear me. I'm here for you. I'm speaking to you. You know, it's a humbling, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a fullness giving thing. It's a joy giving thing to think that the creator of the universe is interested in me. The creator of the universe has gone to such great lengths through Jesus to give me a way to be reconciled to him, to know him, to have his life placed within me, to be reborn. Jesus went to the cross to be a conquering, suffering Savior, a Redeemer. And on that cross, he was taking the burden of sin to which I was enslaved. He was taking the guilt and the shame and the regret of my whole life. And he was bearing the blame, in essence. He was bearing the condemnation and enduring the judgment that I deserved so that I wouldn't have to go through it. So through his death and resurrection and through through the faith of receiving that, I'm brought out of bondage. I'm delivered just like God is talking about in verses 6 and 7. I'm brought to him. By verse 8, I can identify with the people here. Oh, my people, I belong to God. And if you've trusted Jesus, you belong to God. And God says, hear me. I want to testify to you. And I want to draw this out. Worship is not, it is singing, but it's not only singing. And it's certainly not just listening to singing or just spectating. It's not a, uh, it's not a passive thing, okay? It's, it's an engaging, it's a participatory thing. It does begin with celebration. It, re, it is remembering, it is letting God remind me of what he's done for me. It is thanking him and praising him and expressing love and adoration to him. But then worship is also hearing him. It's also letting him testify. That word testify is, is like a courtroom term. It's, it's to let God bear witness uh, and to bear record of the truth in my life. It's an astounding thought to me that because I know God, I have access to truth. That's, that's, that's true whether I want it to be or not, whether I like it or not. I, I have access to what is true. Truth is not Uh, subjective. Truth is objective. And God is the author of truth. He is the teller of truth. He testifies to us. And we have access now to listen to him and to build our lives on truth. And then he says, O Israel, if thou wilt hearken unto me. So there's this condition. If, if you'll hearken, if you'll listen. The word hearken is to listen with the intent to obey. 
which is the third part of worship. So the first part of worship is celebration and praising and expressing love and adoration. The second part of worship is hearing the word of God, letting God's truth permeate my heart, being a receiver of the truth. The third part of worship is obeying, living out of the truth that now has come into my heart and life. So God says, and this is the condition, if thou wilt hearken unto me, there shall no strange God be in thee, neither shalt thou worship any strange God. Now, what is that all about? Well, there's only one true God. There's other principalities and powers, but they're all fallen uh, angels. They're all demonic uh, impersonators. Uh, So there's the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. There's the kingdom of death and condemnation and deception and lies and the kingdom of truth and the the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And you're a member of one or the other, okay? So it's not like you can really choose um, among many gods. You either choose the true God who is a loving, protecting, fatherly redeemer. You choose him by faith and and, and you receive his redemption as a gift or you reject him and by default... The God void in your heart and life is going to be filled, the vacuum is going to be filled with some false God. And that false God is going to lie to you and deceive you and take you down the wrong road and not fulfill you and and require you to spend your whole life on that supreme love, whatever thing you filled the God vacuum with, that becomes your false God, your idol. And it will not love you back. It will not sustain. It will not be durable. It will be losable and fragile and breakable. And in the end, it will completely let you down. So God says, if you'll listen to me, you'll be in my care. No idol will creep in. You'll be invulnerable to the deception of the world and all of its fakery and all of its lies and all of its and all of its false gods all of its all of its god impersonators now my friend everybody worships everybody gives their life to something or someone the only safe place to put your worship to put your life and your supreme love is in the hands of Jesus Christ the god man the god who became man to rescue and redeem you we're going to park here for for uh, today at verse nine at verse the end of verse nine but you say carrie how is this a tip for understanding the whole bible okay here it is done always comes before due so the whole journey with god from the beginning to the end the whole message of the bible from beginning to end and you'll see this over and over and over god does get he really gets a bad rap most people think that god is all about forcing you to do okay no first of all god never forces himself on anyone or anything or anybody he invites us to himself but the invitation begins with here's what i have done for you look at who i am look at what i've done look at my love look at the love i displayed when i laid down my life for you on the cross when I laid aside all the prerogatives of my deity, my sovereignty, my power and dominion, and and I became a human, and I walked the dust of the earth, and I was touched with the feelings of your infirmities. Look at what I have done for you. And out of that, that you see that's been done for you, out of that great love that's been poured out, will you receive it? Will you learn about it? Will you hear about it? Will you let me testify to you about it? Will you let me grow you up in it? And then... 
Will you hearken? Will you do? So my friend, if you are going to the Bible and asking this question, what do I do? It's always the wrong question to ask, at least in the first position, okay? The right question to ask in worship is, what has God done? What has he done? Because his message is always, first, here's what I've done for you. Here's who I am, and here's what I've done. Once we understand who he is and what he's done, our hearts melt, our wills break, and we trust, we faith, we sent, we essentially fall in love with Jesus as Savior and Lord. And at, by that point, when we see how loved we are, we're almost asking, what do you want me to do? Remember when Paul, Saul, uh, when Jesus appeared to him, he fell off to the ground and he and he was blinded by that light, and he heard the voice, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And, 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 and Saul had two questions, who art thou? Who are you? And he said, I'm, he knew it was God, but he said, who particularly are you? And he said, I'm Jesus, whom thou persecutest. And immediately Saul said, what do you want me to do? Here's my point. Even the hardest heart, in the presence of the love, the supreme overwhelming love of the heart of God. Even the hardest heart can be melted, can be won. The gospel wins our hearts in the love of Christ, and then it compels our hearts in the commands of Christ. That is the decoder ring for the whole Bible. God comes to you in his word, and the first thing he says is, here's who I am, and here's what I've done. And as you understand that, the love grows and grows and gets bigger and bigger, and you can't help but want to ask, how do I receive that, and how do I live out of that? What do I do? Now, if you've never received Jesus as your Savior, I hope you will. Just pray. Trust Him. Repent of your sin. Tell Him you know you need a Savior and forgiveness. Believe in what He did for you on the cross and let Him come in and save you. And if you have, then, uh, then we grow in this love. We grow in understanding the gospel and this helps us understand the whole of the Word of God. So thanks for joining me today. And I hope you'll share this video. I hope you will click subscribe and continue the journey with us. I'll see you tomorrow.